You're listening to Shaping Narratives, a collection of voices from West Michigan's communities of color. Brought to you by WGVU, NPR, and PBS in West Michigan, and in partnership with the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. The voice of this podcast is George Walker III, host of WGVU's Cultural Ingredients, a TV show that explores stories of migration, culture, and agricultural history, one person, one dish, and one ingredient at a time. He's a sommelier and a small business owner, and for this podcast, he talks to chefs about simple cooking and kitchen management during the pandemic. Hey, Myra, how are you? Doing good, thank you. And you? Good, I'm doing really well, doing really well. Let's just jump right into it. Is that okay? That's fine. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course, of course. So what are some of the best ways we can stretch out ingredients for multiple uses and dishes in the kitchen? Um, What comes to mind for me is what I do at home. I normally would start off with uh, something simple. Take, for example, uh, dried beans. I cook them. Uh, I would do a stew. And then I would flip it. I would change it to add some meat to it later on. And then it slowly becomes maybe refried beans. It's just, um, you know, giving it another dimension by adding a few more ingredients to to the dish to make it different. Um, we we do that a lot around here and growing up in Africa that's yeah that's basically what it was all about you start with something and then it morphs into something the next day till it's all gone because we have the 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 seam on the line thing that no food should be thrown away <laughs> yeah that's pretty much how we we would handle it yeah start simple and then add things to it wow that sounds that sounds amazing what so what kind of things would you would you add to it? Um, I would add maybe some fish to it, smoked fish. I would add uh, maybe some ground beef to it, some ground meat. And then sometimes uh, we would just go in and add some corn, some uh, uh, sweet corn, some carrots, green beans. It just adds another depth of flavor to the whole thing and makes it, um, it tastes really good too, I must say that. And it can morph into rice and beans uh, or just rice and beans mixed together. You can do it separately or together. So there are a lot of ways that we can do this. At home here, we we normally would add smoked turkey, home smoked turkey. Um, Sometimes we would add, throw in some kale. So there's a lot that you can do with that simple dish. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for that. I I really appreciate that. I never really thought to um, use beans in such a way and and make it so that it's so versatile, you know. Mm -hmm. But but, so how did you originally find the culinary world? Oh, my God. This whole thing started with um, just sharing uh, our African culture, sharing our heritage. um, And all of that is not complete without food. We started with music. The plan was to go uh, into food later on, but uh, when we started the house concerts and people started asking for food immediately and we decided we're going to go with what everybody else wants. So we went in and we started introducing our cooking, uh, our food part of the experience, and we started with just catering. We would... um, bring some local caterers from Africa in and they would uh, showcase their food. And then after that, 
people started wanting to know how to prepare some of the things they were eating. And boom, that's where we, we, we started the motherland cooking experience. But then it was it wasn't just gonna be uh people watching you how to how watching how to cook. They were in there to holding the ingredients, uh learning about the ingredients, how they come together, the flavor profiles, learning about the countries the ingredients come from and they are cooking at the same time. And after that you have live music, usually from where the food comes from. So it's a cultural package that um just showcases everything surrounding that particular ingredient. That's that's so much to unpack. That's so brilliant. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, so I guess we can I, I I can start with where in Africa are you from? I am from Cameroon. Cameroon is found in the central western part of Africa. Um, a lot of the times people think we're Western Africa only, but we are mostly Central Africa. We're smack in the middle, but uh, we share a border with Nigeria and uh, Congo and Chad. And what makes uh, Cameroon stand out, where I come from, is because uh, of where we are. We have uh, four different um, climates, I would say. Up north, you have, like, it's really dry. Uh, all the way to the east, for you have the thick uh, rainforest. To the west, you have the grasslands, and uh, um, and we have the sea as well. So all of these regions come with a lot of different uh, in- ingredients, different plants, different kind of uh, foods. And uh, normally, Cameroon is also very diverse. Uh, ethnically, we have about 273 different tribes. And each one comes with their own special dishes. So there's just a lot that you can uh, tap into. Oh, my. And wow. that makes me so proud to come from Cameroon because it's, it's also called Africa in miniature. They usually say if you've been to Cameroon, you must have visited everything because all the regions when it comes to climate and what they bring uh, to the table, I mean, in food and everything, you'll find them represented in Cameroon. I never knew that Cameroon was such a, um, so diversely um, uh, uh, populated and it was so many different tribes and such. Um, and then with that, with so many different ingredients, mm-hmm. what, what particular tribe are you from within Cameroon? I am from so tribe we are um found in the northwest region so uh kumbo is one of the second largest towns in the northwest region of cameroon so that's where i come from uh but i grew up in bamenda which is the capital of the northwest region so how did you even find yourself coming to america let alone coming to <laughs> let alone coming to West Michigan of all places. Oh my God, I've been it's it's a long story. I've been a traveler. I left Cameroon in two thousand and one, and I lived in Germany. I went to Germany. I was there for about eight and a half years or nine years, and then I moved here. Um, I was studying in Germany, and so I did my bachelor's and master's there. And I moved to the U.S. to do um, a second master's. So I was, when I was done there, uh, it so happened that my um, boyfriend had been hired to come work in the U.S. And, uh, yeah, we, we got engaged and we got married. And he, he was working in uh, Grand Rapids. So that's how I found myself um, here. 
Wow. <laughs> and I we've mean, been so here ever since. What, what was what was that like coming from, I mean, first Cameroon to then Germany and then kind of coming to West Michigan, which is um, which some say seem to be um, culturally uh, lacking, <laughs> for lack yeah, of better terms. Yeah, yeah. It was it was hard, but um, what made it easier for me was the fact that I lived in Europe and I traveled um, to several countries in Europe while I was there. And that initial shock, you know, after you've done it a couple of times and lived there, it's easier because you know what to expect. Uh, you know how to manage your expectations about what is there and how people welcome you. So... Uh, it was still hard. What? It was still hard. We came here. Well, he was here longer before I came, um, and it was really hard because Grand Rapids. I find Grand Rapids sort of like all this area generally a little bit clicky. You need to know people to know where resources are or what to even do. You know, and it it's, it could be hard for people who are just starting off. First of all, we're not of the same culture. Secondly, uh, they probably don't even know anybody around. So it's usually harder. And I found it a little hard because I wasn't just leaving. I was starting a business. So it was hard to know where to go to, who to talk to, and um, to even muster up the courage to do that, right? Because I kept on throwing this question to myself, like back and forth, like, is Grand Rapids even ready for it? Because there, I wasn't really seeing much happening culturally, especially on the African front. There was nothing. So there was a question whether this is something that people would actually want to do, if Grand Rapids is even that open to welcome such an idea. So it was, it was, it was really lovely um, to see people jump on it and be all about the experience, be all about learning, you know. They want to be there because they want to learn. And as they're learning, they're eating really um, good food because African food is good food. It's tasty and it's healthy. <laughs> it is. It is. Did you initially, did you find it uh, troubling or find any troubles in finding the particular ingredients that you were looking for? Or what was that experience like? It was. It was. Um, we do have a couple of ethnic stores around in Grand Rapids. That made it easier. So most of the, the uh, more important things you would be able to find. And uh, that's because, uh, surprisingly too to me, because I never really saw any of these people out there. There's like a <laughs> there's a huge African community here. And um, you only get to know that after like going to the stores a couple of times and maybe visiting um, um, country leaders based here. But, yeah, most of the ingredients, I could find them. The things like plantains, like um, um, bitter leaves, uh, um, huckleberry leaves, and stuff like that, they are seasonal, but I could find them. Um, it gets trickier when you start talking about spices because of Africa's diversity. Um you know, not everybody, the store owners don't really know the, all of the spices that are used or most of the spices that are used in Cameroon because they probably come from Liberia and they have a completely different thing going, over, going on over there. So it's really hard to find um, um, those really rare uh, spices that make our food what it is. 
So we normally have to buy them from home or have someone bring them along. So that's how I've been, you know, when we have somebody going back home, you just give them an order. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, please on your way back, you know, just can you can you give us, bring right. us some dry spices? Yeah, that's literally how it works. Or you buy them online. <laughs> I love that so much. I love that so much. But even to like hit back on how you um, kind of immersed your your experience with so many different things. I mean, when you when you have these motherland experiences, yeah. you're you're um, introducing music, but you're also introducing food, and you're also introducing a lifestyle um, mm. that most people who aren't from um uh Africa can can get a little taste of yeah. how did you initially um even get into music or the idea of creating an experience surrounded solely around that yeah um I'm all for painting uh the right picture, painting the full picture. It doesn't make any sense to talk about African culture and you're focusing on only one of maybe a hundred items. And especially when you're you're introducing it to people who who've never been there, who don't know anything about it. A lot of the times people go home with that one thing and then use it to define every other thing. So I wanted this to be different. We were going to touch on the different uh as much as we could expose our customers to an authentic African experience. And an authentic African experience is community, it's music and dance, it's food, it's storytelling. So these, at least these four had to be a part of it. And um, how I got into music, I'm a singer, um, have albums out there. And uh, I started singing when I was about three all the way back in Cameroon, sang in uh, girl bands and then started my own thing, did backup for some popular singers back home as well. And I moved when I moved here while studying, I was singing and touring. So I've always had this with me. But then, like I said, if we go right back to the conversation we had about settling in here and how difficult it was, being a musician, it was because I couldn't find places where I could uh, perform and showcase my talent. And I found out that a lot of other Africans who come here um, were facing the same issues. And it's like, you have to abandon everything that you are to be a part of the community. So that's hard because it, it really digs into your self-esteem as a person. And I wanted for myself and all these other people, the creators who come here, um, to have something while we're all trying to uh, adapt to a, a new environment and get to know people, you know, let's have something that we can call ours that can work for us. And this would be the skills that we bring. So this, the idea of um, a house concert was one to give jobs to people who don't have anything, who don't even know where to start, or would do, but they are not able to um, use their creative talents, create jobs, give them money um, that they can use for their families or on their families, and and then just bring the community together. 
mm-hmm. because uh, there's there's nothing that works as much as food, uh, good music, storytelling for people to relax and then learn about each other. Because I before, like I said, I didn't even know there was like a big African community here when I moved here, and that's because everybody's living in their own corner, you know, and doing and that- their own things. And that's and that's really how you build community is the way in which that you're, you're doing it, showcasing all of these different pockets of culture. But I want to hit on more specifically um, the storytelling piece because storytelling is such a uh, important and vital, or plays such an important and vital role yeah. in, in how community and culture is continued on. Mm-hmm. How has how how has storytelling influenced or does even storytelling influence um, dishes and and how that could potentially be passed on or or how can a story be told or can a story even be told um, through um, a particular recipe or or um, uh, or dish? Storytelling is very important in uh, the African culture or different African cultures from the different African countries because most of the time. Uh, information was passed down from one generation to the other through uh, stories. And that would be sometimes around the fireplace while people are cooking, maybe through song while cooking. They would sing about uh, things that people did, and especially around ingredients. We are sent to work in the kitchen as early as possible. I started cooking when, while I was uh, when I was three. I was in the kitchen with my mom and my sisters all the time, and she would talk about all of those things, you know, and this is how this one is done. There was nothing ever written. You learned while doing in the kitchen. We learned about different African, the ones that we had available, some of the ingredients that are like almost extinct now, you know, we would learn about all of those things and what what we used to do, what they used to use it to cook for. And the cool thing about African uh, cuisine and the culture around it is always community. You know, there's there's a dish for when uh, a mother gives birth, you know, the kind of food that is allowed there. There, there are dishes for when people get married. And so we'll talk about those things, but then not only talk about them, we would experience them. If someone was getting married in the family, you would be in the kitchen with all the women cooking, learning about how to make that dish perfect, the different other ways to make it work. And then some of them, you just, you just, um, you just, you know, try your own things and find your own personal recipes. And the only way you do that is by doing it often. And now I have that responsibility to pass it down to my children. The same way, telling stories. I now write my recipes down, of course, and <laughs> I'm writing those from my parents as well and my grandparents. But I, th- that storytelling part of it is what makes it real for me as an African. So that was one of the reasons to why I had to do this because it's something that is slowly disappearing. You know, telling the story. Now, is can you can you tell us um, a short story, um, nothing long, but something that you know may have um, yeah, just a short story. Yes, <laughs> I can. So um, I will tell you a story 
about well has must it be about food or can I tell no you no story? any story any okay. story so I'll tell you this story that um we learned this is about a tortoise and why the tortoise has um scars on its back <laughs> we learn we grew up learning about this round the fireplace and this is how it would start so the tortoise the tortoise um, had friends who were birds and there was this party up in heaven and all the birds were invited and since he was friends with them he asked to come along and they said you're such a good friend we're going to give you our feathers and you will come with us on the way there the tortoise changed his name to all of you he decided his name was going to be all of you so if they asked any of them about his name, everybody should call him all of you. So they went to the party and the host brought out food and drinks and said, this is for all of you. And the tortoise took all of that. It's like, my name is all of you. So this is me. This all belongs to me. And then they brought some gifts and he took everything. He said, this is for, for all of you. And so the tortoise took everything and said, oh, well, this is for all of, all of you. That's me. And, of course, you can imagine that the birds would be, like, really pissed at this moment because <laughs> they invited him to come along. He wasn't even invited. And they gave him feathers and, and everything. So this party comes to an end, and, of course, everyone is pissed. So they come and they take their feathers away from the tortoise. And the last bird comes, and the tortoise tells the bird, um, can you tell my wife to prepare some uh, cushions and mattresses and everything possible so I can have a soft landing since everybody has taken away their wings and their, their feathers? And this last bird goes down and tells the, the tortoise's wife, he says, um, your husband says you should bring out all the sharp knives and forks and everything and place them <laughs> down there something is gonna happen but just put them just right so i can i can i can do what i need to do and so the wives being very dutiful did just that pulled out all the knives and sharp objects and everything wondering what is gonna happen and so the touch is very confident decided it was time to go down and just fall so, and he decided to fall on his back. So he fell on his back, fell on the sharp things, the knives and everything, and cracked them up. And <laughs> that's how, <laughs> that's, that's why the tortoise has, uh, we call them scars on the back. That is such an amazing, an amazing story. Wow. <laughs> and the, the lesson, the lesson. Exactly, yes. the life lessons that yes. come from that. Yes. The lesson, never be greedy. It all is part of community. Be, be, treat everybody the way you want them to treat you, especially those who are really nice to you. You know, you have to treat everybody kindly, but then you need to pay attention to those who go all out for you. And that's what Africa is all about. It's all about community, sharing the little thing, the little thing, even if it's just one mango, you know, split it up. You know, so everybody has a share. 
That is absolutely brilliant. I how how old were you when you first learned about this, or when you first were told this story? Um, I, I can't even remember. Pretty young, pretty young, pretty young. I because we 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 grew up. I'll say even two. We grew up listening to these stories. There are a lot, a lot of them, like some of them are our favorite songs, some of uh, stories, some of them are sad, some of them are really funny, but all of them come with a lot of um, wisdom passed down. This is like the thing that you can get in books. <laughs> yes. yes. So, so Myra, what is one quick and easy dish that our listeners can make at home? Okay. So this one, I think I'm going to do um, stew, tomato stew, because it goes with a lot of things. And uh, what you would do is you would wash your tomatoes. And then if you wanted to blend them, you would blend them. You blend them with onions, uh, ginger, garlic. And you can add some herbs in there too, like basil and um uh, celery, if you want, it helps with the aromatics. And then what you would do is you would fry your using very little oil. You would fry your tomatoes. So put blend it all and put it in until it is like done and the water is dried out. And then you would uh, add your onions and cook it till it's like translucent. And then you would add um, your ginger and garlic and everything else, and then let it simmer. You let it simmer for like uh, 20 minutes. You can also add proteins. And once you do that, and the water, depending too on how you want your stew to be, some people like it uh, uh, light, some people like it thick. I generally prefer it very thick. Uh, and you can use this. It, it tastes amazing. And, of course, you add taste to, to uh, salt to taste. And um, you can add uh, like a bouillon to it, like a chicken stock or beef stock if you want it, depending on which kind of proteins you decide you decided to put in there. You, it tastes amazing. And it, it's a base. I'm using it because it's a base for a lot of other things. You can use that base sauce to, to make uh, poulet DG. You can use it to do peanut sauce. Have you ever tried African peanut sauce? I have not. That sounds uh, uh, first off as... You First need off, the tomato dish sounds amazing. What is the what is the sauce that you're talking about, though? So the peanut sauce is uh, made from peanut. Uh, so you you roast your peanut, uh, ground it into a paste, and then you use this uh, base for the for the for the uh, stew, the tomato stew. You just put let it sit. Uh, put add some water in your uh, peanut paste. And then you introduce it into the stew and then you stir it. You need to add some water there because the paste becomes thick after a while. But then that goes so well. Oh, my God, with rice. Uh, and it's like you can do this in 30 minutes, 20 minutes even if you wanted to. And with the peanut sauce, you can actually use peanut butter. That makes it even faster. <laughs> the process is you, then you have you introduce some veggies in there, maybe carrots and green beans. It is amazing, and it's so healthy. Oh, my goodness. That sounds so good. I cannot wait to make this sauce. That that sounds <laughs> so good. 
But thank you. I want to thank you so, 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 so much, Myra, for coming on. Um, this has been an absolutely amazing experience. I really appreciate you sharing um, how you got here, um, why you found this passion, uh, and why you're passionate about it. But, but more importantly, um, the story and yeah. the stories that you continue to share with um, your people and, 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 and us that are here. Um, mm. uh, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll talk to you soon, Myra. Take care, Thank all right? You. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Shaping Narratives, a collection of voices from West Michigan's communities of color, is brought to you in partnership with the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, a partner with communities where children come first. Want to hear more Shaping Narratives episodes? Download and subscribe at WGVU.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and subscribe if you get a chance. It helps us to know you're listening. Shipping Narratives is produced by WGVU, PBS and NPR in West Michigan, through the facilities of the Meyer Public Broadcast Center, a service of Grand Valley State University. Matt Gruppen processed all the audio. Joe Belenke edits each episode. Vansor designed our graphics and manages our web presence. Delane is our director of content. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WGU or Grand Valley State University.